1: It's time to go one-on-one with DP.
2: Coming at you live from the Copple Chevrolet GMC Studios, here is your host, Derek Pearson. Presented by Beatrice Bakery. On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com.
1: Happy Wednesday, everybody! Uh, we are live at Tanners. Uh, we will be here until six o'clock. So stop through. We'll get a get a nice little signed Jason Peters jersey that we'll we'll give away through at right around right, right around six o'clock. Want to thank again, the folks from Beatrice Bakery for what they do for us. We delivered a wonderful strawberry daiquiri cake to the bar. So they. They are actually getting to enjoy themselves today. Uh, you guys know the deal. You know how to engage 402-464-5685, the starter Heyman text line. If you have statements, something you want to vent, uh, you want to call in, 402-464-5685. Is the Honda Lincoln hotline number as well? You can do that. You can follow us on the Starter Heyman video stream, YouTube, Facebook, Twitch. Get to it. Those chat rooms are open, and you can communicate with us. Uh, Nick, if you would, if you will, fire up the YouTube link so folks can have that. Post that as well, so folks can see what we're doing and how we're getting it down. How you doing, guys? Uh, you know the deal. Hit me up on, on 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 the text line. Hit me with a "What's up, DP?" And in this case today, you can hit hit us up with a "What's up, Sean?" Because Sean Callahan from Husker Online is going one on one with,
2: with me. Sean, how are you today, brother? Hey, I'm doing great, DP. Ready to get out to Madison. You've
1: been to Madison before? I've been out to Madison.
2: Um, I'm not sure I'm allowed back in
1: Madison. That's a whole other story for a different podcast. Um. It's, I mean, it,
2: it is probably, honestly, my favorite place in the Big Ten to go. I, I, I love going to
1: Happy Valley because it's so isolated. It's Yeah, I like Happy Valley. Right? It's so isolated, and it's their thing. With Wisconsin, Cam Randall feels like it's their thing. It's just it doesn't seem as all day. It's great for the game, but it doesn't feel that way all day. I feel
2: like the before and after they offer, if you're traveling just on like a trip and it's drivable from Lincoln, yeah, like six and a half hours. But you it, you drive in? No, we we're gonna fly. Okay, um, I gonna, <laughs> well, I mean, most guys in the media will f- drive, but we can get there. In three and a half hours through O'Hare. I mean, from here to O'Hare, then you're there. I mean, and then what's the what's the drive from O'Hare? Oh, to, then we'll fly will fly O'Hare to Madison. Okay, okay. And Madison's airport is bigger than Omaha's airport. It's a good size airport. Really I mean, is.
1: Kind of surprised by that. So, but but yeah. yeah, a lot of
2: a lot of Nebraska fans went there. So 2011, the first year of the Big Ten, Nebraska played Russell Wilson. Vontae Davis was playing for Nebraska, and it was the first Big Ten game, and everybody went. Tickets were hard to get. Huskers were picked to win the Big Ten. I think they were still undefeated going out there, top ten on top ten. We went in there. Nebraska fans went in there, took over all the bars, kind of popped their mouths off. And Wisconsin fans didn't like that. And so it it wasn't – if you win on that 11 trip, you're still upset about it because – I mean, people were not treated well from Nebraska, but I can tell you every every trip since has been great. My dad has gone with me on a lot of them. He's going to go with me on this one, but he couldn't find anybody that wanted to go.
1: (laughs) Is is the Wisconsin fan base the most similar to Nebraska's
2: in the Big Ten? No, gosh. Who would you give that to? Man, that is a great question. Um, Ohio State, in the sense of, the loyalty and how they travel um and even the media how much media travels it's really similar um in wisconsin I, i don't think the fans care like as much as like nebraska fans i mean the recruiting coverage there isn't that sexy they don't have like you know like the internet sites that cover like our my site and other ones they they don't have a big Market site there, you know. It's like I, I just feel I even feel like the recruiting coverage there locally. There's a lot of good players there, but there aren't guys like me or Mike Schaefer necessarily, in my opinion, that roll around and you know scout the talent out. I mean, that's why Barry Alvarez won so much. He found a lot of under the radar kids and turned them into NFL players from Wisconsin. Is that still who
1: they are though? Are they, are they still kind of the, the the uncovered gym when it comes to talent and how they recruit, or, um, or, or is that? Are they fully engaged in being a developmental program?
2: They're both. I mean, like, they have had runs of success in Florida and St. Louis and New Jersey. Um, but I, I think it starts at home first. And, you know, it's hard to compare Wisconsin to Nebraska because the population is, I think, triple the size. Mm-hmm. Um, so you talk about, oh, walk-ons. Well, they have triple the amount of people, and there are just bigger people in Wisconsin. Um <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like when you go out in the I, I remember the first time I went to Madison and I'm not exactly I'm not tall, but I'm not a small dude. Right. And I felt small walking around like like this is not a place you want to get into a bar fight at because there are some big people walking around Wisconsin everywhere you go. And well, Barry what, Alvarez made a program off of them.
1: Yeah. I mean, cheese and beer will do that for you. <laughs> <laughs> if you live in your life with cheese and beer, that'll do that for you. It. This trip seems to be subdued in spite of all things right like i i expected this trip to be on fire that the stories would be rampant about who who's going to fill in and how is this going to look and what are the operations going to be and are we going to get on the depth chart and see things are you looking forward to next year i expected this week to be fire and it hasn't been at least from my perspective it hasn't i I just feel
2: like there's been a lid kept on some of these newer storylines um you know, we on the offensive side of the ball, we talked to Adrian. I think we talked to Samore, Torre, Austin Allen. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if we talked – you know, we didn't get to talk to an offensive lineman. Um, Which was odd, right? Well, they took, I mean, they took it hard. Those guys, I can tell you, they took it hard with the Greg Austin thing. So, I don't know if it was Frost's decision or the lineman, whoever. But we didn't hear from any of the O-linemen this week. Um, but, yeah – we obviously didn't hear from, you know, if Ron Brown would have given a session, but none of the interim assistants are stepping in to do an interview at least this week. That we, um, So I think that really tamps down, you know, some of the new information you would get if you were able to talk to Ron Brown or, you know, Verducci or some of these guys stepping in these roles. That would maybe add to it, but uh, they, they really kept a lid on that. Uh, even Sean Beckton, it would have been interesting to hear from him, but that it's been a tough week, man, like. Four guys got fired, I mean that, that, that's a hard thing to go through with two games to go still
1: for you when when the announcement came out, were you in were you surprised by any of it the time the people involved, any of it at all?
2: Um, I guess I'm always surprised because it's never happened before in Nebraska, like where they've done it like this, mm-hmm. but there's also never been an early signing day just recently, and a transfer portal. So just recently, so there are some factors that I think they needed to get the ball rolling. There was bi week recruiting and some other things going on that, that I just think if you're going in a different direction, why why fake it? You know, at that point, you know the season is where it's at. You're three and seven. You're not um, you're not going to a bowl at least right now. I mean, maybe maybe five and seven. There's a slim chance, but th- we're talking slim, obviously. Um, right now so I I think the season is where it's at and they need to move things forward and you know I don't think extending this into the Thanksgiving weekend would have done anything and I don't think you'd be like oh if they beat Wisconsin and beat Iowa or want split these two games that changes the fate of that coach or this coach I think they knew that hey this is what we got to do we got to do something to get things over the top
1: were you surprised at all about this three and seven? We had taken a, the Sean Callahan uh, temperature in August and said, what's the likelihood of this team being three and seven going into Wisconsin? What would you have said?
2: Um, I wouldn't have said, I mean, I, I thought Nebraska was a six, seven win team going in with the schedule. I thought if they could beat Illinois and get to three, and zero, I thought seven, seven wins was very doable, even though the schedule was brutal and what's, unique about the schedule we didn't know Michigan State was going to be that good we didn't know Purdue was going to be as good as they are Uh, we didn't know necessarily Minnesota I guess we thought Minnesota would be about where they're at right now I mean they're going to go seven and five Um, but Michigan we didn't know that they would kind of step up in weight class and be a Jim Harbaugh Michigan that we thought Jim Harbaugh Michigan would be so there's so many things about the schedule Nebraska's played the toughest schedule maybe in the country um, you know, and, and and you can't deny that. And my and Sipula said this. I know it's the toughest schedule he can remember in his lifetime covering or being around the program, and that's a factor. And Nebraska has played toe to toe with these teams. Unfortunately, they have not gotten over the top. And the ones that you thought they should get, they've played some of their worst football. And that's the hardest part of this year. DP, Illinois, Minnesota, Purdue, because we care about football a lot more here than those places care about football. And when you know, you lose to teams where you don't necessarily see the level of investment with the fan base and the financial commitments to the program, that stings. I mean, it's like in baseball when you're a really, really good franchise and you lose to, like, the Tampa Bay Rays. I mean, that upsets you because, you know, you're investing a lot into this thing to make sure you win, and and when you lose those games, I think that's what obviously adds to the frustration of this season.
1: Talking to Sean Callahan, Husker online, and Sean, if I asked you to tell me who has surprised you on a positive note from this Husker team, what player has stepped up and given you some some
2: bright light, some great moment that, that, that you were surprised by? Uh, Ramir Johnson to an extent, um, but sample size is still not complete. Um, man, that's a good question as far as surprise guys. I yeah. mean I mean, JoJo's not a surprise, but, I mean, he played at a higher level than anybody would have thought. I mean, he finished 11th all-time in solo tackles at Nebraska. And, you know, if he would have played these final two games, he would have been inside the top 20 of all-time tacklers in the program. So, I think just when you sum up his career and what he's done, I mean, that – pretty remarkable career that is going to get overshadowed, obviously, by the wins and losses of these teams.
1: Were you surprised that he chose to also opt out of the last two games? Did you feel like, from a leadership standpoint, from a player standpoint, from a resume, a career resume standpoint, that it might have behooved him to play two extra games?
2: Well, the problem is, I mean, I do his show, obviously, every week. He was medically advised to have the surgery, and right now, it's a repair that would take about eight weeks to recover if he had it. If he would have played these two games, you could risk further damage, and it could possibly lead to full reconstruction of the hand. What was the actual injury? Uh, The middle finger, like his metacarpal. I'm I'm not a doctor. I can't pronounce these things. Um,
1: uh, (laughs) I was like, I'm not going to try to pronounce it. Um,
2: He explained it. um, But his middle finger, the knuckle came out of joint, and it tore up some stuff in there. And, you know, if it got worse, it could cause more damage. And then you'd have to fully reconstruct the hand. He'll be a 25 NFL rookie next, 25 year old NFL rookie next year. So he can't really withstand that kind of major injury. So it was a tough deal for him in his future. Because yeah, he could have played with a big club on his hand, but I don't know how that would have, you know, really gone. I mean, it, he wouldn't have played his best football at that. He might have hurt Nebraska by doing that.
1: What are your thoughts on, on replacing and filling in a guy that does a little bit of everything for this defense? And you, the, they've thrown the name Gifford out, but to me, does Gifford do all the things that are going to be required or is this going to be a JoJo replacement by, by committee?
2: Well, it, it's going to be based on the personnel. Uh, Isaac was up in our office yesterday for a, a podcast yesterday and you know he doesn't really know what to expect.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get
2: half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for one twenty nine each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine a pound. All with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Because a lot of it will be how Wisconsin comes out. And, you know, if if they're heavy, you're going to see a lot of Caleb and Garrett together with the two inside linebackers. And then JoJo wouldn't be out there. Um, So a lot of it is situational. But there's also another theory like, you know what, we might go three wide because we want to see what Isaac Gifford could do. And I wouldn't be surprised if early in this game Paul Chris tries to throw it a little bit with short, controlled passes to loosen up the front of Nebraska – because I do think Nebraska will have success you know, when, you know, when you know they're going to run and they know what Wisconsin does and they don't have a mobile quarterback. They're good against those types of teams, and I, I think they'll have some success early. So I wouldn't be surprised if Chris tries to throw it a little bit to loosen up the front of Nebraska, and maybe that gets Isaac Gifford out on the field. But he won't be out there unless it's like a three-wide set is my, my read right now or a passing down.
1: Sean, with all the, the, the coaching changes, that means the game day operations changes. So different people on the headset, different people on the sideline, different people in the booth. How do you think that's going to happen for, for, for Nebraska on Saturday?
2: Yeah, it, the play calling and all that will be interesting, how that all works. Like, you know, in the booth, Steve DeMeo, I think, will be up top, even though he's not one of the interim coaches. But Scott Frost is going to call the plays, okay. obviously, in I think you'll have people up there that communicate the looks and what they're seeing. Um, But this will be Frost's show completely um, in my opinion with how they do things. Um, You know, I'll be curious like if Verducci is up top or down low, I would fully expect Ron Brown on the sidelines. He's a guy you want on the sidelines with his fire personality um, and what he brings. Um, But yeah, it's, it's a, it's a, very unique thing this late in the year to kind of have that kind of change.
1: So what happens? The same play caller, different coaches in, in, in different positions. Do you expect the same Nebraska offense that it, that's ex- existed for the past couple of weeks?
2: Um, I'm most interested in the, the sub- substituting of personnel because the position coaches control that. And what will that look like, particularly at running back? What happens after Ramir Johnson? How do they kind of rotate in? Now, Scott Frost said this week, teams are only averaging 58 snaps a game against Wisconsin. That's okay. not a lot of snaps. Okay. Uh, Nebraska's a team that would like to snap it between 80 and 100 a lot of games, and they're not going to get that many. So that's that many fewer plays. And of those 58, how many throws are going to be in there? you got to figure 25. Um, throws so you're looking at in the 30s of runs and Martinez might take up six or eight of those so how many carries are there going to be for running backs in this game Ramir I would think is a guy that's going to get at least 15 um, so then you know who's that other guy that they decide to roll out there this week could it be Marvin Scott I and mean, you mentioned his name I think there's some stuff going on with Jaques Yant that that's kind of behind the scenes I don't know if we'll see him out there this week we'll see
1: that, that's always interesting to me that that going into a game like this, and this is it, it's the constant week to week with this team, like not knowing that okay this week okay, the maybe soup next of the week, week the soup yeah special. Like maybe next week it won't be the game of the week like maybe next week it won't be uh, the most important game that's there, but for the players, how do the players how are the players going through this thing, not knowing what voice to hear. That they've never heard before. A voice that's going to be in, you know, Adrian's going to get different voices in his head. Um, linebackers, come, you know, I mean, the running backs will come to the sideline and a different person will get them through their, their reads and get them through. How's that going to play out for the players?
2: Well, I think the voices are not as different as you think because these gentlemen taking over have all been in the position room and the structure of the staff it's almost like the NFL now. You have the position coach, and then you have an assistant position coach. All of these gentlemen stepping into the roles were essentially the assistant position coaches. I mean, Frank Verducci was an offensive coordinator for Hayden Fry. His coaching resume and background is deeper than Greg Austin's. I mean, he's a guy that's been coaching for a long time. Uh, Mike Cassano at the receiver spot. He's been with Frost all six years. He was a position coach at Georgia Tech, UMass. I believe he was in Miami.
1: Have they been on the on headsets previous for the I previous season? So. Yeah, I, I believe okay. some of these
2: guys have. Been, yeah, and I don't think it's as – you're limited, though. You know you can only have so many headset people, Well,
1: that's why I was uh, saying it's just it, – it, 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 I didn't want to assume that all of these coaches were already on headphones. It's the, Sabin, it's the
2: Sabin rule because he had – so many all-star guys making six-figure non-coach money that I mean, it is an advantage. When you have that many brains talking, you're going you're gonna to see stuff together. Which room are you watching Saturday the most
1: offensively mm-hmm. with all the new coaches? Which one will let you know that this thing's working right? Because some have said the offensive line would be the group to look for. I would say, well, no, look at Adrian Martinez in the quarterback group. Because that dude's not there. That voice that was in his head is not there.
2: Yeah, Frost, though. You got Frost still. And Adrian's a fourth-year guy. I'm not worried about Adrian. Um, and Steve Cooper was an offensive coordinator at Portland State. So, he, he's I've, – I've heard Steve talk before at a clinic, and he's an impressive guy. Like, you know, he's right there close to being like a power five level assistant as it is. So, I think he's more than capable to to be in that role, and he's a very dynamic guy. Um I'm interested if they change up much at the receiver rotation, how that looks. Obviously, we talked about running back. And those offensive line guys, how will they come out? Because I think of the, the position rooms, they took it the hardest of the coaches being fired. Why is that? Greg Austin just kind of had this mother hint about him, you know, where I think, you know, they, they loved him, you know, and that's common. Offensive line guys – Always have, like, typically a tight bond with their coach in the room. Um, I, I just think that's how the culture of that room was. And, you know, that's great. But, unfortunately, they weren't playing very well. And and it, it, it's hurt the whole offense this year with the lack of protection, the inconsistencies at times in the running game. Now, there's been moments, as we know, where they've run it well. But just the – you know the second and twos that they've constantly been in, and they can't, you know, convert on.
1: Who, who, who's more responsible for the outcome for the three and seven record? Uh, those coaches or those players from those rooms? Um,
2: I'm sorry, what was that again? So for
1: the four coaching groups, four coaches got got removed. Those rooms themselves, offensive line, receiver, quarterback, et cetera. Of those groups, is this a player thing? Does a, a change in coaches? fix
2: the problems that existed in those rooms or not? It's a short-term fix. I mean, I I think it's more about what they do after. We don't know what Frost is going to do with his staff. Until we know how he wants to move around the chess pieces with these positions, with duties, it's hard to really analyze what's next. I mean, we don't even know if he's going to have a special teams coordinator or if he's going to stick with Mike Dawson the role he's in. Like, there's so many... Other pieces to that. And also the analyst part. How many of these kind of assistant position coach guys that make anywhere from sixty to 175000 a year, that's a big part of the staff too. Will a lot of those guys be out as well? Will the new coaches coming in want some of their own analysts and, and brain trust with them? So there's a whole lot to it because a lot of these guys like Cassano and, and Verducci, they've been with Frost like since UCF. I mean, he, all of these guys have.
1: How do you think that plays out? I mean, if, if changes needed to be made, do you think that this is where it'll, it will show?
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, guys like Verducci moved on. Um, he was very close with Greg Austin, so we'll see where that goes. But, yeah, some of those other sp- spots on the staff, too. I mean, I, it's not just the four coach spots. I mean, the analysts – and those aren't on contracts. I mean, those are, you know, 90-day severance type – Positions like you know, and that's the unfortunate part of coaching. If you lose your job as a non-coach, you don't get that full year payment, um, you know, for another season.
1: It, it was just a weird week, and, and and I'm trying to get balance on it, uh, and a lot of it's more complicated than it appears. A lot of Statements are being made about guys who we know now aren't going to come back. Cam Taylor-Britt accepts the the bowl bid situation. That's a statement. For any of the folks who could come back, Adrian Martinez, whether he could come back or not, what are your thoughts? Do you think this is a – from your perspective, do you expect him to come back? Do you hope that he comes back?
2: Um, It's such a hard thing because the Purdue game just upset everybody so much. Mm -hmm. And I think before Purdue – you're like, this would be good, you know. He, But, man, playing injured with a jaw and an ankle, the Minnesota and Purdue games particularly, it just soured anything good he had done earlier to the point where, you know, it's just like an old car. You just want to get, you know, I want a new car. I'm just tired of this car, <laughs> and it still works. It does a lot of great things, but I, I just want to switch. And I feel like that's how a lot of Husker fans are. It's like uh, Adrian Martinez fatigue. Um to an extent and you know this program has had three different essentially four-year starting quarterbacks because uh, Adrian Taylor Martinez and then Tommy Armstrong now Tommy Armstrong took over during eight Taylor's senior year they kind of switched up when Taylor got hurt um, but yeah it, it's it's a weird cycle because before that trio of quarterbacks there had never been a four-year starter at Nebraska
1: do they know <laughs> what – again, this is why it gets weird to me. You don't know who the coordinator is going to be. You don't have the quarterback's coach. And yet you're going to dive into the transfer portal looking for a talent that you don't know if it fits with whatever system you're going to be running. What's the functional chart for how they're going to figure out who their quarterback is next year? Is it quarterback's coach coordinator first and then make quarterback decisions? Or are you going to get quarterbacks and then try to fit you them get into a the a
2: you got to get a coordinator first, but they've got to get a transfer portal quarterback, and the window to get one is essentially the month of December. It's Christmas shopping season for a quarterback because you got to have a guy here for classes in January. You can't have a transfer portal guy get here in June or May. You need them here like in January. As soon as
1: December ends, you got to know who your people
2: are. And if you remember last year, it was a later year, Nebraska played Rutgers on, like, the 18th or 19th. Then, like, the next week, it was insane how much – it was like a waiver wire week with the portal. And everybody was, you know, after signing day, adding and dropping, adding and dropping guys. And Nebraska got Marquis Step, and they got Samore Torre that week. Um, I'm trying to think if there was another guy in there. They got Chris Kolarvik earlier in the year. Um, But, you know, I think that late December week will be kind of the week that decides a lot for a lot of teams as far as what they get and what they add. And there are so many names that are going to go in this transfer portal in the next couple of weeks.
1: It's all of this is fascinating, like this weekend and and how that plays out, what happens over the course of the next three weeks, then heading into December, Sean, it's going to be bananas. Uh, we'll throw it break. We'll come back. Sean, I'll ask you about Husker basketball. We'll go up and down the checklist of all the things, all the questions about Husker hoops and things that are going on. We're live at Tanner's Bar and Grill 30th in Yankee Hill. Be till 6 o'clock. Uh, jersey auction offer is up on the table. You can see what it is. Uh, got a signed Jason Peter jersey that we will give away right at the 6 o'clock hour. And if you're traveling uh, to Madison for the, uh, for the Wisconsin game, stop by Tanner's in Middleton just off uh, the Beltline, into Madison. Also, lots of great hotels there, and they'll have the pay-per-view. Bud Crawford fight Saturday night for no charge after the Husker game. More one-on-one when we come back.
2: Download our app by searching 93.7 The Ticket in your app store. You're listening to One-on-One with DP on 93.7 The Ticket and ticketfm.com. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go.